This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. The preacher in Ecclesiastes is wrestling with the fact that where there should be justice, there's wickedness. And where there should be righteousness, there's wickedness. That is a part of living in this fallen world. Where there should be justice, there is wickedness. We can think of this in terms of the courts. That is the place where justice should be. If, if, if anything, you know, a, a court should uphold justice. But we think of just recently of uh, the case of Baronel Stutzman. You may know about Baronel Stutzman. She is a florist in Washington State. And um, she was asked to uh, do flower arrangements for a homosexual wedding and she could not do so Uh, she felt that that would be participating in what she believed was wrong and uh, even her state supreme court decided against her and it was uh, I think about a year ago maybe I I don't remember exactly the timing but the, the supreme court of the United States heard the case of Jack Phillips uh, cake baker And at that time, Jack Phillips won his case. And so the case of Baronel Stutzman was sent back to the state of Washington, to their Supreme Court, with the instructions, reconsider this case, because in light of the decision that we made um, with Jack Phillips. Well, just the 6th of June of this year, it came out that the... Um, state of Washington again has found against Baronel Stutzman and it will be going again to the Supreme Court. Where there should be justice, there's wickedness. Where she should be able to object to something with her conscience, she is being persecuted by the government being told you have to do this, facing fines and all kinds of penalties. In the place of justice, there is wickedness. Unless we uh, point our fingers out there, and unless we just look at those on the outside... There's another illustration from just recently that hits closer to home. I thank you uh, that you have allowed me as your guest to come, even though I'm from a different denomination. I'm I'm a Southern Baptist personally. Um, I thank you for your graciousness in allowing me to be here. But uh, my own denomination just this week has reckoned with Uh, tragedy, where in the place of righteousness, there has been wickedness. 
In the, just this past week, our denominational convention met together to reckon with the fact that over the course of many years, there has been a history of our denomination ignoring a problem. There has been um, pastors and ministers and people in the churches who have been wolves preying on the sheep. There have been people who have abused children in the church and have then it's been covered up, it's been hushed, and those people were allowed to go to another church and repeat the same kind of behavior. The cases have, have come out in the, the news. The Houston Chronicle ran a big, uh, several parts uh, story starting back uh, in February, and they're still releasing more um, stories connected to this. The Southern Baptists have reckoned with the fact that in the place where there should be righteousness, if, if any other place in the church, you should have righteousness. But in the place of righteousness, there is wickedness. And this is what the preacher in Ecclesiastes is reckoning with. From Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. And I said in my heart, with regard to the children of man, that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. And man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes downward to the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that man should rejoice in all his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power. And there was no one to comfort them. And I saw the, and I thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been 
and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw that all toil and all skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after wind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, we pray that you would feed your people on your word. Lord, that you would call to us to repentance where needed. Lord, that you would call us into deeper fellowship with you. And Lord, that you would comfort us as we look at this broken world. Lord, that you would give us comfort. In Jesus' name. Amen. It is not hard to acknowledge the fact that our world is broken from the garden, from in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve had been placed in a garden that was supposed to be perfect, paradise. They were to live forever in harmony with the animals and every creature. And they were to live in harmony that God would come down and walk among His people. And sin entered the world. God had commanded them that they were not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the serpent came and tempted Eve and said, you can be like God. You can be like God if only... God does not want you to have that because if you eat that, you will be like God. And Eve and Adam listened to the serpent. They wanted to be like God. And they ate and they introduced sin. And they introduced death into the world. And this world has been broken ever since. And so as the preacher here in Ecclesiastes, thinks on this broken world, he sees the fact that in the place of justice, in the very place in the courts where there should be justice, there is no justice. In fact, there is wickedness. And in the place where, even in the place where there should be righteousness, there is no righteousness but only wickedness. And as he contemplates this, he says, I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter and for every work. I want to back up Remember, in verse 16, it says, I saw under the sun. I was with you guys two weeks ago. 
That phrase, under the sun, is referred to several times. I think it was like 27 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. When the preacher says, under the sun, he's meaning apart from God. If we look at the world with a secular perspective, it's under the sun. And so when the preacher looks at the world, he sees that everything is broken. But then he remembers, I said in my heart, there's something more here. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. He comforts himself as he looks out upon the wickedness in the place where there should be righteousness. He comforts himself by remembering God will judge the righteous and the wicked. We want there to be justice. Now, we also want grace whenever we're talking about our sin. When we talk about our sin, what we've done wrong, what we have done to offend a holy God, we want grace, but we want justice too. We look at the oppression in the world. We look at people like Hitler. And we know there needs to be justice done. There needs to be a reckoning when people abuse children. When people do things that ought not to be done and we recoil and we are sick to see those things happen, we cry out and say, God, you need to make justice done. And the preacher comforts himself by knowing God will judge the righteous and the wicked. The earlier part of chapter 3 says there's a time for everything under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. He goes through all of those different things where there is a time for everything under sun. And as he considers all of the wickedness that is in the place where there should be righteousness, he reminds himself there is a time that God will judge both the righteous and the wicked. And then, he says in his heart, God is testing them that they may see that they are but beasts. From under the sun, remember, this is under the sun from a secular perspective. If we look at life without God, then human beings appear to be just but beasts. That's what naturalism, that's what uh, the evolutionary perspective looks at things. Humans are not much different than animals. We all, according to evolution, derive, evolve from the same single-celled organisms. And all of life is just random chance and there is no meaning. Under the sun. The preacher here says, God is testing man to show them that they are but beasts. I think we need to, to think about this 
What did Eve, what did the serpent tell Eve? If you eat this, you will be like God. If you will eat this, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And man's desire has been to be like God. We have exalted ourselves and made ourselves into something. Tried to make a name for ourselves like they did at the Tower of Babel. But God tests us and shows us that we are not like God. We are like the beasts. For what happens to the children of man happens to beasts is the same. One dies, so dies the other. Just like the animals die, so we all know that we will also face death. And the point that God shows us in this is the fact that we are not God. We are not infinite. We are not all that Eve was tempted with. Rather, we are finite. We, are, we have an end in this life. Then he says, They all have the same breath, and man, under the sun, has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place. He says, they all go to the grave. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and all to dust return. Just as Adam was made out of the dirt, And God then took from his rib and made Eve. We have all come from dirt to dirt we return. One day, I'm going to die if Jesus tarries. One day, I'm going to die and they're going to put me in a box and they're going to put me in the ground and my body will turn to dirt. Same will happen to you. To dust, from dust we came, and to dust we will return. And all of this is to show us we are not like God. We are dependent on Him. Verse 21. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward or the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth? He asked that as a question. And remember, the the Bible was given over a period of years. From the perspective of Solomon, the preacher... He did not know all that we did not that we know. He did not know of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He did not know those things and from the perspective of under the sun as he looked at the world it appeared with this big question mark. 
Who knows whether the spirit of a man will go up and the spirit of a beast will go down. There is a a tension here between two things that Solomon or the preacher has said. There's a tension. First, he says, who knows whether the, 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 bre- the breath of a, of a person will go up or the breath of a person will go down, the spirit of a person will go down, or the, of a beast will go down. But on the other hand, he's already said, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. There's a tension there that even the preacher has to wrestle with. He knows that judgment will come, but at the same time, he does not know when that will be. And so, he says, I saw that there is nothing better that a man should rejoice in his work, for this is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? The preacher has said this in chapter 2 and earlier in chapter 3. From under the sun, what is it that is God's gift to man? What is it that we should spend our lives with? He says, rejoice. Rejoice in your work. Rejoice in your labor. In chapter 3 earlier, it said, rejoice and do good. That's what we should do in this life. And he again returns in chapter 4 at the beginning. He returns to this idea of there being justice or wickedness in the place of justice. He He uses the term oppressed here. And again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed that they had no one to comfort them. And the side of their, on the side of their oppressors was power. And there was no one to comfort them. Just think of the case of an abused child. And there is no one to comfort them. The tears, night after night. And there is no one to comfort them. God knows their tears. God sees their tears. And He promises one day there will come a day when He will come and He will wipe away every tear. Again, all the oppressions that are done under the sun. No one to comfort them. And I thought, this is so bad. The preacher says, it's so bad, I thought the dead who is um, already dead is more fortunate than the living who are still alive. At least when you're dead, you have a relief from the experience of this turmoil, the experience of the, the oppression that is on the face of the earth. And then he says, reminding us that death is still the enemy, is not good to be dead. He says, better than both is the one who has not yet been born. The one who is innocent. Who's never experienced any of the oppression that is in the earth. That's been done under the sun. 
He's considered all the wickedness. It's in the place of justice. And then he turns and he thinks about work. What is it that we are to enjoy? What is it that we, he's already told us in this book that we are to enjoy? It's, been, it's our work. Go and enjoy your labor that you do under the sun. This is your lot. This is what God has given you to do. And then he says, I saw that all the toil and skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and striving after wind. All of our industry, our work ethic, all that we, we want to work and work, and, 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 and it's all driven by the engine of envy. We want to get more. We want to keep up with the Joneses. We want to outdo the Joneses. It's all motivated by envy. And so he considers what is our response if all of our work that's supposed to be good is all motivated by envy what is our response he gives us three options the fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh he folds his hands like in proverbs where it says a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to rest when poverty comes upon you like a bandit I don't think I quoted that correctly, but you get the idea. The fool, in response to this fact, may just give up on work. Fold his hands, say, it doesn't matter anyway. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. Just give up. But then he tells us these two options. He says, Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving after wind. One of the options, instead of being the fool and folding your hands, one of the options is you can try to get everything you can. Grab handfuls and handfuls of everything you can get. But the preacher says that is just striving after wind. You're trying to get more and more of what you want and it's never satisfying and all just slips right through your fingers. But better yet is one handful of quietness. You work hard, you enjoy your labor, and you're content with what God provides. Contentment. Paul says godliness with contentment is great gain. So, the preacher has contemplated our, our work and how it seems to be motivated by even the good things we need to do seem to be motivated even by our envy and our own sin that is within our hearts. And, and he sees on the outside places that there should be justice are instead wickedness. You may... Turn to first to Second Corinthians chapter five. When Solomon or when the preacher wrote this, he stood in his place in the in the in the place of all of the biblical story, not knowing of what was yet to come. Paul writes after the resurrection. 
of Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with human hands, eternal in the heavens. For this tent, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. We groan because we look out and we see the oppression that is on the earth. We see that, that, that there is wickedness in the place that there should be justice. And we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we were still in this tent, we groan, being burdened that we would not be unclothed that we would be further clothed, clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God who has given us His Spirit as a guarantee. We have a guarantee. We will experience a resurrection just like Jesus rose from the dead. If we have our faith in Him, if we have trusted in Jesus Christ, we will raise like Him. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we were at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For while we walk by faith and not by sight... Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. We're content. Content in whatever situation we're in. We make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. When we think like Solomon or the preacher thinks on all the injustice that is in the world, we often think about what is on the outside. We think of what is on the outside, this secular world that we live in. We think of, of things that are out there, but ultimately every single one of us has evil within our own hearts. And we groan and we long to be rid of it. We long that Jesus will remove and cleanse us from everything. He has cleansed us. He has justified us and reckoned us as if we had never sinned if we have trusted in Him. But we long for the day when our, immortal, when our mortal bodies put on immortality and we no longer sin. And we no longer cry. And we no longer put up with the injustice because He will wipe away every tear from every eye.